0: The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the guests and guests alone and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Assistants Anonymous and its hosts. A little forward before we jump in. Since the industry is all about word of mouth, assistants feel afraid to speak out, not wanting to risk severing connections and or being labeled hard to work with. So the guest names and voices have been altered in this podcast to protect them from possible backlash. Thank you and enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to the third episode of Assistants Anonymous, where I interview entertainment assistants and get their unfiltered opinions about their work and the current state of the industry. I'm your host, Jack Kaiser, and this episode we interview B, who tells us about the mental, physical, and financial strain of working as a production assistant in entertainment, and also shares with us a troubling experience they had on the television show American Idol. Hey, B, welcome to the show. Thanks, man. So to start us off, What do you do and how long have you been doing it for?
1: So I'm a production assistant in LA. I've been out here for about a year now, and I've done TV shows, commercials, movies, just a bunch of random stuff, whatever, basically falls on my plate.
0: So not that many people know, but there are actually quite a few roles for production assistants. For you, what are some roles you've taken on?
1: man it's all over the board on some things i am the truck pa which means i basically drive the truck back and forth each day with all the production gear in it like tents tables all the shit that's like behind the scenes you know making sure that the production team stays happy that kind of gear so i do that and then sometimes i'm a first team pa where i'm in charge of you know making sure that talent is where they're supposed to be at all times whether it's on set in the makeup chair and wardrobe at lunch you know wherever they're supposed to be at every moment that's kind of like a responsibility of first team PA and then sometimes lately I've been doing COVID PA work where you know you just basically you're making sure people are following protocols set by the unions and the guilds and so yeah it's pretty much it.
0: So how long did it take you to land your first job and what does that whole process look like?
1: Uh, dude, the first job honestly wasn't even the hardest job. The first one was pretty easy because when I got out here, you know, all the all my friends and stuff were pretty excited to like connect me to places. So my first gig was on a commercial and I was just pa on it and it was, you know, super chill. And it's it was, you know, after like the second, the third that I kind of hit a lull where it was kind of hard to find stuff because... You know, all my friends were more focusing on their own jobs and stuff like that, and kind of everyone was struggling for a little bit. So I, I hit a good few months where I just like couldn't find anything, and then a couple months right before COVID hit is when I really like my work really started to pick up. I was working consistently on a TV show, and then I was working on commercials. Uh, I did a movie. I was just kind of doing all this stuff for a few months and then COVID hit and shit kind of hit the fan, but we're kind of back at it now, which is nice.
0: And if you don't mind me asking, how much money were you making on these jobs?
1: So the way that the... PA rate works. is is It's like a guaranteed 12-hour day rate. So just calculate minimum wage across eight hours and that's what you get paid for those eight. And then after that, for the next four hours, it's time and a half. So it's basically just minimum wage for eight hours and then time and a half for four smashed together is your 12-hour rate. And then anything you go over that, you get double time, which is pretty common. So yeah, I mean, the pay is not fantastic for the amount of work that you do but you end up working enough hours to where you get a decent chunk of change but and that's kind of usually what people will sell you on is they'll be like yeah well you're gonna be working a lot of overtime so you're gonna be making more money it's like all right cool but that's also just gonna be absolutely brutal
0: yeah it's interesting you get all these hours and all this pay but at what cost yeah right
1: right well i mean the job that i'm on or i was just on i guess is a feature we were doing 17 18 19 hour days for a few weeks straight and you know you're on your feet the entire time for that you I was moving stuff like lifting up heavy shit dragging it setting stuff up breaking it down just constantly running around doing stuff for you know 18 hours a day five days a week for three weeks straight. And I ended up injuring my back. And now I'm not being able to finish out the shoot because I just hurt my back on it. But I mean, it's like the things that we do for minimum wage are pretty pretty wild, honestly.
0: So let me get that straight. You injured your back on a shoot. Did the production company cover you at all?
1: No, man. Well, so, okay, it was kind of pre-existing because I heard it on a shoot like a month ago. And because of that, you can't do workers' comp. But I got workers' comp from the shoot that I actually originally heard it on. That one, I was moving a a cart and it had 250 sandbags on it, and each sandbag weighs like 15, 20 pounds. And I was moving that on my own and just absolutely threw out my back.
0: And that's all for minimum wage, which is interesting to say the least. So in certain cases, including yourself, PAs make a decent chunk of change. Doesn't occur often, but it does happen. On that note, when you were starting out and only could take on the lower end jobs, how was your financial health and how did you deal with it?
1: Well, I mean, just for a hint, I I was making more money during this, the unemployment stimulus than I was at any point working, if that tells you anything, but you know, I mean, it's, it's all right. I mean, rent in LA is not easy, but I had roommates and you just kind of do what you can and. I definitely there were many times where I considered getting a second job and then right in the nick of time, I would land a gig that would just kind of keep me chilling, which was nice. So I definitely got lucky a lot of times. But yeah, I mean, most people that I know, you know, they work at hotels or restaurants or something else on the side or, or even DoorDash or Uber, you know, whatever, whatever they can.
0: Yeah, it's not the most stable profession, to say the least. So you and I spoke beforehand about your experience on the television show American Idol. Do you want to talk about that more?
1: Yeah man so I got that job through a friend they they were working on on it and you know they needed a reference so they brought me on and it, at first it was great I mean I was I'd never worked on a big TV show like it before and I you know I grew up watching it I haven't watched it in like 15 years probably but when I was a little kid we we liked the show but yeah I mean it was it was interesting I took the job because I ultimately want to write for TV and and that was my first introduction into television. So I was like, all right, I got to take this. You know what I mean? Like there's some connections probably. And when I jumped into it, I was hoping that there was maybe a department similar, you know, it's reality TV kind of. So there's there's not a writer's room per se, but... I figured that there might be some kind of department that's similar enough that I could cling on and, and get to know. And so I did. And they're the story team. And basically their job is to take contestants' lives and twist and turn them and make them as either horrifically entertaining or positive as they can to make people have an invested interest in these people's lives. So it's just manipulation of people's stories, basically, which I had no interest in. So I pretty quickly disconnected from that. It just felt like dirty. I don't know. So I did that and then got brought back into the general office PA world where I would just, you know, staple receipts, go on runs, basically just do whatever they needed in the office. And I was working right across the desk from this one producer for months, three months, four months. And I noticed that Pretty quickly, she just would never say my name when she needed stuff. She'd be like, "Hey, you, can you grab this? Hey, you, can you grab this?" And I just let it slide for a while. And and you know, production started and we were on set a bunch. And this person that I'd been working directly across from had done a hundred thousand things for across the course of months. You know, we were on set, and even on set, she'd just be like, "Hey, you, can you go grab this, or can you go do that?" And I would just do it, and. After weeks on set, I finally, you know, she was like, hey, you, can you go do this? And I was like, you know, my name's Blank. And I told her my name. And she was like, what'd you say? And I was like, I repeated it. I was like, my name's Blank, just so you know. And she was like, okay, great. And turned around and walked away and didn't acknowledge what I said, didn't really do anything. And the next day was the first time in four months that I was not hired back on American Idol.
0: So it seems like they just let you go. Did they even formally say, hey, we're moving on to somebody else? What exactly happened?
1: Absolutely not, man. I got completely ghosted by them. I emailed everyone, including my, you know, the key PA who's right above me, who I was like pretty tight with, or at least I thought, you know, we weren't like best friends, but we got along on on the job. and. And he didn't answer me. This guy that, you know, requested that I be on his team the next day didn't answer me. Yeah, I just still, I never heard anything from
0: anyone. Being fired from a job for simply asking someone to remember your name is pretty horrendous, in my honest opinion. You're barely making ends meet. You're networking as hard as you can. And not to be too dramatic, but you are putting your physical health on the line. Oh, dude, I
1: would move like 400 chairs a day for those people. Like, it was it's manual labor, like regardless of what you want to call it. That's what it is.
0: So with all that in mind then, how did being Leco affect you?
1: I mean, here I am still talking about it. So clearly it didn't didn't make me feel great. But, um, you know, it's the kind of thing where this sounds petty, but the, the thing I was most annoyed about was that I was going to quit that week and they let me go first. And I was like kind of pissed off because like they treated me like shit for a while. And then that's how it ended. And I wanted to be the one that was like, no, nah, I'm done. But, you know. It is what it is. And and once I left, I was looking back pretty grateful because there wasn't really anywhere for me to go there. It's kind of a bizarre world. And, you know, I mean, I I have a lot to say about all the producers there. Some of them were amazing and some were, you know, as I mentioned, egotistical and terrible. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it was what it was.
0: After all that, do you think being a production assistant has benefited you at all?
1: I mean, for sure. It's it's consistent work. So, you know, it's, it's the entry-level position for our industry, you know? And so it's like, in just the basic way, it's benefited me in terms of I've been working, which is awesome. I'm super grateful for that. But in other ways, you know, I've made some really good friends from it, some great connections in terms of people that are at my level that want to do big things in the future and that I believe will. And, you know, every set that you're on, it's a pretty wild experience being on set for, you know, people that aren't on it. It's hard to explain, but you know, you're with the same people five days a week for at least 12 hours a day. Right. So you, you end up like getting to know these people really well, really fast. And it's just like a little bit of a family kind of feel in in the departments and sometimes interdepartmental because, you know, like on the shoot that I've been on recently, I've been working a lot with the art department and a lot with the producers. And I've just been kind of getting to know them all really well and kind of expanding my connections and looking around for other options. I mean, I would say that it's benefited me way more than it's done harm. Like, I don't think it's done any harm. I think that, you know, if anything, it just teaches you later on in your career how to act properly and how to treat people properly because you know how it feels to be the little guy on set. You know what I mean? So I think that from even from the negative experiences, there's definitely positive outtakes i would I would argue, and even you know some of the most hellish sets I've been on are the ones where I've made the best friends because you're going through this terrible situation with other people. Getting paid the same amount, it's you. You know, you're in the exact same situation as them. And yeah, that's
0: pretty common. The term I like to use yeah. is shared misery. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, it's perfect. <laughs> it brings you together, man. It's true.
0: So I like to end with this question: Do you think there should be change in terms of how PAS operate within the workplace, and what does that look like to you?
1: Yeah, I mean, I would say that it depends on the set because I've definitely been on shoots where PAs are treated fantastically and uh, I worked on a commercial for Bleacher Report and our boss was fantastic like the producer was super nice always wanted to make sure that we had breaks and that we weren't doing too much and that you know we were taken care of and you know on some shoots it's like PAs don't eat first they have to be the very last ones in line for lunch you know what I mean she wasn't like that when food would get there if we weren't doing something we'd get an extra 10 minutes added on to lunch. Like you just go grab your food and hang out. Like there's no, she was super cool. So, I mean, it happens, but I think that overall having that kind of environment and that mentality would be an awesome fix if that was more, because that's pretty rare as I'm sure you know. Like that's a super rare scenario. I've only had it like once or twice. I've been yelled at by producers for getting lunch before someone that hasn't even left set yet. I've been waiting for 15 minutes for them to to come over but they're having a conversation. You know like it, it's a weird ass industry man because it's like people are trying to make their dreams come true but then it's just run like a military so it's like it's it's wild. And so I think the less intense people are about making sure that the hierarchy is maintained then I think the more healthy the work environment will be and that's kind of the happier that I've been on shoots are are the ones where it's been more more loose.
0: And that's all the time we have. B, thanks so much for being on the show. That concludes another episode of Assistance Anonymous. If you or anyone you know is an assistant and wants to share their feelings and experiences, write us at assistanceanonymous1 at gmail.com. Thank you for tuning in and see you on the next one.